Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Craig Swan to discuss all the latest from Parkhead. On the pod today, five-star Celtic dismantle Hearts to go 10 points clear at the top of the Premiership and we ask, is that the title race in the bag already? And we also look at the reasons for the markedly different form between Rangers and Celtic since the winter break when they both headed to Dubai. Uh, So, Swanee Howard, you... I'm good, Liam. Thank you. Not bad. I suppose we should start off this week. Um, a bit of bad news turned slightly more positive in the last couple of days um, with Jackie McNamara. Uh, obviously, the news broke the other day that he was taken into hospital for emergency surgery. I suspected the uh, bleed on the brain that he had. Uh, but then we also had the kind of follow-up news that he was awake and talking. Um, but it still came as a real shock, didn't it? Yeah, I think, um, especially as Jack, Jackie's the same age as me, or I'm the same age as Jackie, so I think in that situation, mm-hmm. you, you, you really you know take a step back when something like that happens. It was a real shock for everybody. I think Jackie's known as quite a fit guy, you know, he's, he, he plays in the, a lot of the players play in the sort of over 40s football tournaments, you see them kind of things, Jackie would play in them, he's, you know, a fat lad, and, and, and you, they often say that, you know, things sometimes happen to, to people when you least expect it, so mm-hmm. I think everybody was shocked, and um, in, in one sense it was, although it was shocking, it was great to see the outpouring of, you know, the support behind and everybody, you know, really getting behind Jackie, because you know how pop, you know, mm-hmm. says everything about what a popular guy he is, and it's, just brilliant news to to think that he's going to come through, you know, and it looks like he's looks he's, he's maybe on the mend. So yeah, that's brilliant. So fingers crossed. And because we obviously had we ran quite a fair bit of it in the paper and it alluded to you know some of the hardships that of the guys from the Celtic team around that area era. Sorry, I've had to to deal with. Obviously, you had John Hartson, Stylian Petrov, Alan Stubbs, uh, Morton Recourse, Darren Jackson. All had. Yeah. Various illnesses, of course, they lost a teammate in Phil O'Donnell and also a coach in Tommy Burns. Uh, so it's it's kind of a lot of, sort of tragedies on this one group of players. It's been a lot for them to, to deal with over the years. Yeah. It's, it's strange. Yeah, I know. It's, it's uncanny how something like that can happen to sort of the one group, you know, and so many different things. But I suppose maybe it, 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 happens, in, it, it happens in all walks of life and it's just a, because, it's, you know, it's a football team and quite famous and yeah. you know you put it all together yeah for one specific squad to all worked at the same time it's unbelievable what's happened to some of them you know yeah and obviously we send our best to Jackie and his, his family uh, as he recovers um, just on to the football uh, Celtic dismantled hearts on Wednesday night there 5-0 five different goal scorers uh, 10 points clear in the title race now but just first I thought I don't know, did you see that result coming during this week? Yeah. Because I, th- I don't know about you, but personally when I was listening to, to the arts manager, Daniel Stendhal, speaking in the, the lead-up to the game, he was talking about going after Celtic and really, and he'd named an attacking an attacking team as well. And I suppose we've seen that happen time again, when domestically at least, when teams try and go after Celtic at Parkhead, there is always that danger that you'll just be picked off. Yeah, I think, I mean, full credit to Celtic for taking advantage and they weren't at their blistering best I think they would admit themselves for, mm-hmm. for the first half of the game but you know when when, when we saw the way Daniel Stendhal has approached games and in and, and, and some respects you, you take your hat off to him he's got a style of play he wants to play it 
but I think yeah, it was maybe 10 days previous to that. I think it was a 3-3 draw at McDermott Park. Mm-hmm. And St. Johnston created all manner of chances. With the greatest of respect to St. Johnston, they're not a team renowned for carving chances. And they scored three goals and had umpteen chances to score more. And you remember, you, remember, you remember thinking that day, if Hearts go to Celtic Park and play the same way, the way Celtic's front players are playing just now, they could get absolutely annihilated. And that's what came past it. I don't think the result was a great surprise, no. No, mm-hmm. no, no when you see the way Sendle set the team up, no. Yeah. Is this a high risk, potentially? Yeah. Potentially a high reward, but obviously... Yeah, I think it's high. something you can get away with more. I mean, they were able to pull it off at Tynecastle against Rangers, and Tynecastle's a tighter pitch. Mm-hmm. And it's always been a way for, you know, for Hearts on that, you know... The, the way Tyne Castle is, it's more enclosed. As I say, it's less. It's a smaller playing surface. You can get after teams a bit more and get tighter to them. It's a hell of a tough shift to try and pull off at Celtic Park. Wide open spaces, especially against the speed that Celtic have got in the yeah, counter attack. Exactly. Uh, and as we saw, it didn't quite come off for the Jambos. Uh, but for in Celtic's case, another you know boost to the goal difference. But obviously. More importantly, they're now 10 points clear in the title race. Is that it done and dusted for you, barring a spectacular collapse? Yeah, I, th- I think, well, yeah, you're caveating that by saying bar- barring a spectacular collapse and but that's what it's going to have, have to be. It have to be. I mean, you're looking for Celtic to drop more points, I think, in the last something like 13 games than they have done in the first 25. And that's gone in the proviso that Rangers win every game. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't see either of those two things happening. So, no. yeah, I think it's I th- as, as much as Celtic can't say it, Rangers can't say it. I think both, most people know that it's pretty much done now. Mm-hmm. And as well, it's like a lot of people are kind of pointed to both teams went to Dubai for their winter training camp, and fair to say they both went off the and kind of maybe different moods around their respective supports. Rangers on the up, Celtic fans perhaps a bit worried by the the Derby the Derby result um, but since they've come back the picture has changed so quickly and so rapidly we, we talked about it on the, the podcast last week um, and you were obviously in Dubai covering both teams so what, I mean you know they don't let people in to see exactly what's going on in these training sessions but what is why is it there been such a difference between these two teams since they've come back from this winter training camp can we even begin to try and explain it? It's hard. It's, it's hard to try and explain. The one thing I can certainly say from the Celtic point of view is there was a, and, and it happened last year in Dubai when Celtic lost the old firm game prior to going away to Dubai. You know, they kind of spoke about it and regrouped. But even that was different to this year because Celtic had been pretty up and down through the first half of last season. I think most mm-hmm. people would agree. Um you know, the, the amount of points that were shipped in the first half of last season, they made a terrible start under Brendan Rodgers, if you remember, to yep. last year. Um, it was probably part of the reason why Rangers were neck neck with Celtic at the turn of the years, because Celtic were so poor, rather than Rangers being absolutely brilliant. Um, so this year, when listening to the Celtic players and management speak, yes, I think Callum McGregor was one who described the defeat as humbling and and, and it gave them a focus. Hodgson Edward said this week it was the best thing that could have happened. But what was also interesting was Celtic were very quick to say at all times, it's one league game, it's one bad performance, and they preferred to look at the bigger picture. And if you actually looked at the bigger picture round about it, I think if you count the games since they've come back, and also the, the prior to out of that one game against Rangers, 
and the other 19 league games I won 18 of them mm-hmm. so it was it, you know it wasn't like it was a crisis is it? it was one game it was a bad one to lose of course it was but in the grand scheme of things there was, there was no they were, I think they were very calm it was a calm resolution about Celtic there was a determination to redress the balance but they were calm about it now I couldn't sit here and say that Rangers appeared to be getting carried away or anything like that mm-hmm. but I think I said in a column the other week um, Rangers were neck and neck last year at the, at, the, at the winter break because Celtic weren't great in the first half of the season Celtic were really good in the first half of this season and the fact that Rangers kept pace with them was pretty remarkable, really, because Celtic were setting them at a really quick pace. To me, Rangers were running at a speed they couldn't maintain, mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. They, they got, they'd done okay with injuries and suspensions, they hadn't really suffered any of that. Celtic had lost, you know, they've been going into games with half a dozen, without half a dozen players a lot of the time. El Hamed's been out for three months, Beton's missed a chunk, Brodic has missed a chunk, Griffiths wasn't available for spells. You know, there's been guys missing for long periods. Rangers didn't. Rangers haven't had that. And coming back after the break, there was an injury to Tavernier. Morelos had a suspension. Ryan Jack. It just, Ryan really Jack. It just asked a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. And Celtic just keep a pace going that asks such questions. And I don't think... I wouldn't say that Dubai... <coughs> listen, I don't know. I, I'm not behind closed doors. Uh-huh. I don't think Rangers got carried away or anything. Yeah. I think it was almost like somebody said to me the victory at Celtic Park before that it was almost like Rangers. They'd worked and worked and worked and worked, and it was like scaling the peak. It was like they'd reached their goal. Mm-hmm. Whereas Celtic seemed to be of the opinion that, listen, we're only at the halfway stage. Yeah. It's fine. And you just wonder if it was almost like that. Uh-huh. It was almost like reaching the top of the mountain for Rangers on that day. You know, that sounds a bit. You know, you could never have said that at the time, but now what we're seeing subsequently would suggest that might be the yeah. case. It's maybe mentally, it was a mental high for the season and trying to keep that up has uh-huh. been impossible, allied with the injuries and suspensions. Yeah. Celtic's four has been brilliant. It's phenomenal. Because you raise a good point there, actually, because I think a lot of people have referred to somewhat of like a, a physical toll that it's taken on Rangers, but is there a, more likely, do you think, that that it is that psychological it's, it is such a high it's such a mountain for them to climb they've waited so long to get that victory a meaningful victory over Celtic on their own turf yeah. that it's in in some ways you know people always talk about it being difficult to pick yourself up after a defeat but that takes such a mental toll to mm-hmm. get to that high as well mm-hmm. that even after that it's it's hard to pick yourself up and go again I, I think so I think so um, <coughs> I mean also you know yes there is that mentality has, has been called into question I'm not sure if that's such an issue but they were having to go as I said they were having to go at a really really fast pace and I just think it was, it was Celtic set such the, the way Celtic go about their business is relentless and what they have is guys who have who have done it before the, what I'm kind of trying to say is if you, if you go through the Rangers team it's not their fault but take someone I'm just for top complete example I'll say Joe Aribo Joe Aribo played for Charlton now Joe Aribo could have 12 man of the match performances in a row and he could have two bad games so 12 out of 14 games he's played brilliantly he'd still be getting carried shoulder hiring the supporters and he would think he's done well that doesn't work at Rangers and Celtic the two bad games is all people are interested in mm-hmm. you, you're not allowed those two bad games yeah and that can't be easy for guys like 
Ojo and Aribo and Ryan Kent and guys like that who have never been over the course before. Whereas these Celtic boys are just they're, they're just so used to it. Your Callum McGregor's, James Forrest, Ryan Christie, Scott Browns, they've just done it year in, year out. And it's such it, they're, they're actually so good you tend to take you, you take it for granted a wee bit. Yeah. You know, I think we've spoken in this podcast before, Liam. People won't realise what this Celtic team's doing in this period of time until about 30 years from now. Because mm-hmm. it's become so normalised, doesn't it? It's, it's just so what you expect. I mean, I think yeah. later on you're going to ask me a question about, <laughs> about Celtic doing a quadruple treble. A quadruple treble. That I mean, wasn't, that wasn't even a phrase. A uh, even just a couple of years ago. Do you know what I mean? This so, will never be done again. Yeah. And and, and 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 that was also something Neil Lennon touched on in Dubai when he was when he was being philosophical about things and he said, We're not gonna dismiss the Rangers defeat, it needs to be looked into. We weren't good, we weren't good in the cup final. But these boys have been over the course. Mm-hmm. I trust them. I know what they're capable of. Yeah. And I know they'll be fine when they come back and he's been right. And that's trust is certainly being repaid. I think, mm. you know, you can look at it as a whole and then but even on an individual level you would you kinda look at Rangers and you you struggle to, I think, look at any player who has come back from that winter break and seemingly been boosted by it. But then you look at the Celtic team and you look at Kyle McGregor, who looks totally refreshed. You've got Lee Griffiths, who was barely in the picture before they went out there. And he's obviously showed enough over there that he's now involved near enough every week. It seems to have helped Todson Edward as well. And you've got Greg Taylor. Mm-hmm. So on an individual level as well as the collective there seems to have guys who have really really benef- sorry, benefited mm. from that wee period and who are, who are now kicking on there's a kind of mix as well wasn't it because some injured guys come back like Simunovic was out for a while and started training in, in Dubai he comes back into the team so you have the mix of injured guys coming back plus they start well mm. and they start winning games and they're scoring a few goals and all of a sudden, everybody's coming back, and they're all playing well, and everybody's falling at them. And now, all of a sudden, I mean, you've got you've got Celtic beating Hearts five now. Odds and Edward get Player of the Month the day before, and he's going to and he's already beaten his goal scoring record for the Premier League last year. Five goals, he didn't score. Mm-hmm. Neither did Lee Griffiths. Yeah, I mean, the, the ammunition comes from everywhere. It's actually the fourth time this season that Celtic have scored four or more goals in a game where whoever was playing up front a striker didn't score see that's remarkable so and that is that is the difference because if you you know Morelos and Defoe have done fantastically well for Rangers but after that the drop off's market mm-hmm. to the next one you know your Kent's Aribos Scott Arfield's it's not enough you look at Celtic's backup backup you call them a backup crew <laughs> what's Ryan Christie got now 19 Must 16 be. for Forrest yep El Yanusi had some like 8 and 7 before he got injured and Cham's scoring goals nearly every week now. Yeah. I mean, it's frightening. Was McGregor got 10. He's got four more than he got in the whole of last season already. Mm-hmm. The, the, the goals come from everywhere. I think Christopher Julian's almost in double figure. He is. He's actually, I think he's perhaps maybe scored more than yeah. Ryan Kent already this season. And we even just in the game against Hearts, you know, it's as if it you know, kind of wasn't bad enough for them. They, they were able to bring Christy, Rogic and El Yanusi off the bench. So it's really, it's a ridiculous yeah. Depth of squad yeah. in those forward areas, really, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes you maybe point to they've not quite got that depth at the back, but it doesn't seem to matter when you've, you know, you're rattling in all these goals and you've got these other guys to come off the bench. But also, you have to factor in the fact that El Hamed, Narbiton, and Frimpong are injured. are injured. Yeah, exactly. So they've started to come back, which mm-hmm. then gives you a flexibility in terms of system as well. Yeah. Because I think the 3 5 2 has probably 
been borne out by the fact he hasn't had a natural right back mm-hmm. since El Hamed's been injured. Yeah, so you and, think... And, you know, when Frimpong got injured as well, it kind of forced his hand. So I don't think we've had your verdict on this podcast about the, the three five two. So do you think it was sort of born out of necessity but might actually be here to stay? I think it was born out of necessity, yeah. Um, it... In the sense that El Hamed was injured, um, they were going to the well an awful lot with him. But I think it was something Neil Lennon wanted to try, and it and it worked. You know, instantly. You know, the, 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 I know he played the he played the diamond two in the first game back at Fur Hill, but he then played the the, the three five two. He got the two strikers on the pitch at Rugby Park for the first mm-hmm. league game back, and Griffiths and Edward both scored and, and sparked off each other. So you would stick with it um, that he has. You know, not played it a couple of times since any they had to give Edward a rest when he had his toe problem and Griffiths played up front and he went back to the system and then it, it changed again for one of the other games. But he's generally used it in the league matches. I think he's used it in all the league matches apart mm-hmm. from that Ross County one. And listen, if you can get as many goal scorers in the pitch, I, <laughs> I think it has to be something where you know I'm, I'm not for a second suggesting that Neil Lennon's looking at it and thinking, well, we'll just outscore the opposition. But if you can get as many attacking weapons on the pitch as possible, especially when, you know, Hearts are a bad example because they came out and played Celtic, but a lot of teams will sit in and you want as many guys on the pitch as possible that can that can score you a goal. So mm-hmm. knowing in your heart of hearts, probably the amount of play that's going to come in your direction is gone, not going to be as much. So your defenders won't be asked. The acid test will come in Europe mm-hmm. and I don't think you'll play. This is just my own opinion. I don't think you'll play that system in Europe. Mm-hmm. Because he'll have El Hamid fit, he'll have Frimpong back. You'd be able to. I think he would go to the four again, yeah, and play the four two three one because El Yunusi's got European experience. He's getting fit again. He's got Forrest that can play in the right. He can play Odson as a lone striker. I would imagine you would go back to that. Mm-hmm. It looks to me like the, with the greatest respect to the Scottish Premier League, Celtic can just go and blow teams away playing three five two, without worrying about giving too much away. Yeah. So, in terms of Europe, then. And sort of personnel-wise, Olivier and Cham seems to have made this kind of number ten sort of advanced midfield role his own um, in recent weeks. But I always kind of felt, certainly at the Europa League group stage, that Ryan Christie in that position was really, really crucial to mm-hmm. what Celtic were doing in Europe. So I don't know what you think of that. Do you think that, is it impossible to drop in Cham for these games now, considering the form he's in, or would you expect maybe Christie to come back in or? try and fit both of them into the team in some way depends it's, it's hard I mean for me Christie was such a pivotal player in the first half of the season and I think Celtic play at a tempo with Christie in the team that they don't play it with Jack and Jam's playing the 10 role yeah. and Rodgers for that matter yeah. just Christie's energy just the way he gets about the yeah. way he moves it just gets the, the, the forward line just seems to play everything, everything seems to go at a faster tempo um, it'll depend on how Len- how Neil Lennon views Copenhagen, how what, what he thinks of them, what he thinks are their strengths. You know, he, he maybe if he, if you wanted to be a wee bit more solid, you would maybe play in Cham. But to me, it would be Christie. Yeah, I would. I, 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 at the moment, I'd be building Christie up to full fitness. He's come back from time out. He got his ninety minutes against Clyde. Couple of sub appearances. I think he'll be building up to be becoming. Listen, you know what seasons are like. There's there's that many games. Everybody will get their periods to play, and Cham's having his period just now. Does he deserve to be dropped? Probably not. But when you're in a squad as strong as Celtic's, 
Sometimes it's not a case of being dropped. Maybe it's sometimes a case of just somebody yeah. being preferred for a certain uh-huh. occasion. Yeah, because I suppose being if we just if I was to just say being dropped, it's a kind of maybe a bit yeah. of a reductive way to put it. Yeah. It's it's I know different these days. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just a go-to term, yeah. isn't it? It's there's rotation and it's horses for courses almost yeah. with different systems and different tactics. And as you say, guys will feature, you know, in and out between now and the end of the season. So I suppose <laughs> what we can almost maybe just slightly more than whisper it now and from a Celtic perspective is you know the league seems almost in the bag now the Betfred Cup already taken care of yeah. Celtic now go to St Johnston in the Scottish Cup where on a, a ground where they've had you know massive success in recent years so is it you kind of have can we say that now that this quadruple treble which seems like a ridiculous phrase to be using that it's now on the cards it's now on the horizon yeah, I think you can say it. I, I don't think. Listen privately. They, listen, the Celtic players won't, won't come out. They, they don't do that type of thing. They never have done it through any of the three previous travels. It's dangerous. That's not how they work, mm-hmm. and it served them well. But if you're in the Celtic dressing room, you must be thinking, "That's three games to win the Scottish Cup, <laughs> and there's a hand virtually on the league trophy." Yeah, and the Betfred Cups in the cupboard. Technically, it's three games. Yeah, <laughs> and it really. When I you mean, put it that listen, way, that's, been, that's been a bit simplistic. Of course, but they have still, to go on and get the job done yeah. in the league, but um, you would you would bank on you would never take any team lightly. But given Celtic's record against St Johnston recently, I had, I did the game the other week. I think is it something like. 32-0 for the last eight games between Celtic and St Johnston or something like that. I know there was the seven that they scored. I think the last eight games is something like said. Apologies for none on this start off the top of my head because I should because I'm on this podcast. But I did the game the other week. It's something like 29 0 or 32 0 or something like that. The last eight meetings between the teams. I mean, some some teams are yeah. other teams' bogey team. Uh-huh. And Celtic just seem yeah. to have. Although they've got most people's measure, but they seem to take St. Josh out the cleaners regularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they scored, what, five in the first half there last year, seven in the opening day of the season, mm-hmm. three in 26 minutes last week. You would pretty much assume that they're going to be in the semi finals. Yeah. And by, by which time of the semi finals, which will be April, I think? April, second week, April. About, usually is, I. They might have won the league by then. Uh huh. And then it's all the. <laughs> they, they might oh, have I was going to say all it. the eggs in one basket, but they might still be in the Europa League. That would be Possible. obviously discounting that. But as well, it's there, there's like a almost like a, a feeling of inevitability when Celtic get to Hamden as well. Yeah. Considering what's happened over these past few years, and I think that was probably only that feeling was probably only heightened with the Betfred Cup final, where they were, you know, kind of second best for long periods of it. But it yeah. did just feel as though they were going to have that moment and they just seem to relish playing at that particular venue don't they they do they do and it was I mean a lot of things changed in the Brendan Rodgers time but probably Hamden was mm-hmm. Celtic's Hamden performances was probably one of the biggest things because they had some calamities in the years building up to that hadn't yeah, they? The, they had the Inverness semi-final the Ross County semi-final the Rangers penalty kick defeat Um but under Brendan Rodgers, they really just took the National Stadium by storm and they seemed to, as you say, relish going there. They owned the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you, I mean, it's weird. At the start of the season, I think the majority of Celtic fans probably thought, do you know what? By the law of averages and the bounce of a ball, probably get knocked out of a cup. Yeah. That'll happen. 
But as long as we win the league, that's fine. Yeah. And you win nine in a row. But it's amazing the way it goes now. You, you almost think to yourself, they're not going to, how, how's going to beat them in a cup tie? Mm-hmm. You can't envisage it, really. You can't can really, no. I mean, you can't envisage it. There was a, sorry, there was a stat that we were, we were looking at on the desk earlier. And again, I'm open to being corrected on this by our, I was going to say listeners, but maybe listener uh, would be better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since Brendan Rodgers came to Celtic uh, over this kind of almost full four seasons, um, only on one occasion have Celtic gone ahead in a domestic game and then gone on to lose. I mean that's a that's a pretty ridiculous stat, and that inc- that's including all this this cup run of thirty three victories in cup games. I think it's thirty three now. So it's like it's like, as you say, you 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 know who's going to who can you see at the moment? Perhaps you know if Rangers have a, have another good day that they did before in a one off game. Yeah. But it's aside from that, it's difficult to see at the moment. Isn't it, it can happen. Listen, it, yeah, it can. It, of course, it can happen. Rangers, Rangers showed in the game in December, and probably you can argue in the Betfred Cup final as well they compete with Celtic. But I don't think Celtic turned up on either day. To be perfectly honest with you, now you can argue that that was down to Rangers, and but I suspect from from listening to the Celtic coaching team in in Dubai, funnily enough, they'd gone through that game again, and I think they realised a couple of things that they did wrong. Tactically, they, they they got wrong in the bet. The Betfred Cup final was tough because, with the greatest respect to Lewis Morgan, they were playing without a front man, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was hard to hit the front guy, hold up, get anything working. The game kind of almost it broke down for them. They couldn't get going at all. In the December game, they just didn't turn up. They just didn't play the front four. Didn't play at all, and it it, 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 it almost wasn't. Tactics or formation, it was personnel, no performing. But I almost think that the management looked at it and saw one or two wee flaws in their own setup and how they set mm-hmm. the team up, a mistake that they wouldn't make again. That was the impression I got just from speaking to them, just listening to them say, we saw a couple of things that you know we did wrong and you know, when we studied it and blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll be fascinated to see Celtic when they go to Ibrox mm-hmm. for the next game in yeah. March. I, I think they'll be set up maybe slightly differently and we'll be a totally different team if we played in December yeah because I mean you would be astonished if it kind of panned out the exact same way again uh, yeah. in terms of how the game flowed yeah uh, I mean in answer to your question yes they can lose a cup tie of course they can uh-huh. but, but these upsets seem to be geez, getting it's, fewer they're, they're becoming fewer, yeah, fewer and fewer when it comes to this group of Celtic players they can't go on forever of course they can't but mm-hmm. Jeez, I wouldn't be the man who's calling out when they're going to get stopped. <laughs> well, that is for another day. Uh, thanks a lot to Swanee for joining me. Um, you can hear all the latest from Parkhead by us next week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on Acast and iTunes to get the pod as soon as it's available. And you can also rate us on there as well. Thanks for listening. 